Rapha means to be made whole, to be completed. And so when you begin to read Isaiah 53, the Bible says this, by his, stri his stripes we are Rapha. We are made whole and we are complete. I don't know about you today, but I still believe in the healing power of Jesus Christ. Thank you for five people in the house. I said I still believe in the healing power of Jesus Christ in this sanctuary. I believe that there are still miracles that take place in the house of God. You know what? I believe, hear me when I say this, that the world is sick and tired about hearing about miracles. And they're ready to start seeing some miracles. I don't want to just say the word miracle and everybody clap and shout and get some goosebumps. I want to start seeing open heavens upon the house of God. I want to start to see legs begin to grow. I want to start to see people get out of wheelchairs. I want to start to see bad reports become good reports. You know, I love doctors and I love hospitals, but I'm ready to start to see people get up out of their bed in a hospital room, not because of what a doctor has done but because of what the great physician has done in their life am I talking to anybody in the house today where's Warren and Erica and Naomi are you guys in the in the house today come stand before me real quick just come stand in the altars real quick guys come stand before me Jesus 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 just stand right here. Everybody, this is Warren and Erica. And for those that have been a part of our church, you know that they're a staple at Calvary. Their baby, Naomi, has been through some hard times, really, ever since you've had her. And you know, everybody, this isn't a brand new tactic by the enemy. The enemy, hear me when I say this, parents, he wants to take out our children. He wants to take our heritage. He tried it with Moses. He tried it with Jesus. This ain't nothing new. We, we're aware of what the devil is trying to do. But I believe that my God is greater in the house today. And I'm not going to rehash everything that you guys have been through. But I want you to know that there's a church here today that has got your back. That you're not in this by yourself that we are here behind you to support you in everything that you got going on. So church, stretch your hands forward right now, and we're going to pray that Jehovah Rapha would touch Naomi in the name of Jesus. Pray with me, church. Lift your voices. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now, God. And Lord, we just lift up Warren and Erica and their children, Devin and Naomi. Lord, I am so thankful that they are a part of this house. And God, I believe in the anointing that flows at Calvary, New Smyrna Beach. I believe that the river is getting higher. And so, Lord, as we begin to walk and wade into this river, I pray that the river would begin to cover Naomi in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, begin to flood healing power in the name of Jesus over this baby. Satan, you cannot have our children. 
You cannot take our heritage away from us. I believe, oh God, in what you can do. So, Lord, I pray healing power over this sweet baby right now. I thank you, Lord, for doctors, and I thank you for modern-day medicine. But I put my trust and I put my hope in Jesus Christ today. So, Lord, we release a powerful move, a, a work right now over her body. Touch this couple. Provide for them. Lord, bring peace and comfort upon them. Let them know, oh God, that you're in the battle with them, that there's a fourth man in the fire, and his name is Jesus today. Touch them, Lord. And God, we give you praise, glory, and honor for what you're going to do in this place. In Jesus' name. Now, if you believe today that God has touched and healed this little baby, put your hands together one more time. Somebody give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Today, we're going to be praying for needs at the end of this service. I just felt prompted right then as we were praying that the Lord just dropped a little bit of nugget into my spirit that there's some people in this place today that are hurting, you're tired, you're lonely, and you have needs. And I believe today that the greatest need that you have, his name is J-E-S-U-S. And today he's going to show up and he's about to show out in your life. If you believe that, give God some praise in this house. Thank you, Trevor. You can go sit down. Everyone give it up for Trevor today. What a wonderful job. If you got your Bibles, I want you to turn very quickly with me to the book of James. James chapter 1. The book of James chapter 1. And as I was studying for the message that I'm about to impart to this house, I came across this story. A man was looking for a job, and he noticed that there was an opening at the local zoo. He inquired about the job and discovered that the zoo had a very unusual position that they wanted to fill. Apparently, their gorilla had died. And until they could get a new one, they needed to, someone to just dress up in a gorilla suit and act like a gorilla for a few days. He was just to sit, eat, and sleep. His identity, of course, would be kept a secret. Thanks to a very fine gorilla suit, no one would be the wiser. The zoo offered good pay for this job. How many out there would say, Pastor, for good pay, I dress up like a gorilla? Come on. So the man decided to do it. He tried on the suit, and sure enough, he looked just like the gorilla. They led him to the cage. He took a position at the back of the cage, and he pretended to sleep. But after a while, he got tired of sitting. So he walked around just a little bit. He jumped up and down, and he tried to act like a gorilla would act. The people who were watching him, they seemed to really enjoy his acting. When he would move or he would jump around, they would clap and cheer, and they would actually throw him some peanuts. And the man loved peanuts. Come on. So he jumped around some more, and then he started climbing a tree. That seemed to really get the crowd excited. They threw even more peanuts at him. And so playing to the crowd, he grabbed a vine and swung from one side of the cage to the other. The people loved it, and they threw even more peanuts his way. Wow, this is great, he thought. He swung higher, and then all of a sudden, 
the vine broke. He swung up and out of the cage, landing in the lion's cage that was next door. Of course, he began to panic. There was a huge lion not 20 feet away, and it looked very hungry. The man in the gorilla suit started jumping up and down, screaming and yelling, Help! Help! Get me out of here! I'm not really a gorilla. I'm a man in a gorilla suit. Help! The lion quickly pounced on the man, held him down, and said, Will you shut up? You're going to get us both fired. I want to preach a message to you that I've entitled, Man in the Mirror. Look at your neighbor and say, Man in the Mirror. My purpose in writing this message is to examine who we really are on the inside. Because how many know in the sanctuary today that there comes a time in each and every one of our lives that we need to take a look at where we are at and what we are doing? If there's something that I want you to realize today, if you want a Facebook quote, here it is. Examination brings revelation, which then brings transformation. I believe today that we are about to examine some things in our lives. And as we begin to take a look in the mirror, I believe that God is about to re reveal some things that we actually need to do a little bit better that we might be lacking. And as the Lord reveals that to us, I believe that ultimately some people are about to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Michael Jackson was right when he wrote the lyrics, Man in the Mirror. Now, I want you to know I'm not condoning anything that Michael Jackson did or said, but I like the song. I'm looking at the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. And no message could have been any clearer. If you and make a Y'all want me to spin one more time? Here we go. Now listen to me. I'm a follower of Jesus. And the mirror that we are to look into is actually the Word of God. The mirror that we are to look into as followers of Jesus is not an earthly-like mirror. But we are to examine ourselves by looking at this thing. Because how many know the Word of God will never lead you astray? That we need the Word of God in everything that we do. I say this every Sunday, but hear me. We are going to be a church 
based off the Word of God. I will never preach my opinion higher than God's Word. Everything that we do, it's the foundation of who we are as a church. It's what we stand on. It gives me direction. He speaks to me through His Word. I find my answers to life in the B-I-B-L-E. His Word is the highest authority. Who's going to look in the mirror today with me and stand upon the Word of God? If that's you, somebody say amen in this house. Now, if you got your Bibles, you're ready to read the Word of God today. James chapter 1, I'm reading from the NLT starting at verse 22. But don't just listen to God's Word. Hear me when I say this, that you must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the Word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you carefully look into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and you don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Heavenly Father, I pray today that you would add the blessings of the reading of your word. And God, as we look into the mirror that is the Bible, I pray today that you would bring some revelation and some transformation. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And if you love the Lord today, say amen. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Now, in our passage today, the Lord reveals something outstanding. That if we look into the Word of God and if we actually listen to what He has to say, but we don't obey what He's trying to tell us. It's like looking into the mirror and walking away forgetting what you look like. Now that's amazing to me because how many know in this house before you do anything in the morning, before you go anywhere, when you wake up, you look in the mirror. How on earth could you forget what you look like unless you're ugly? U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly. I'm just, I'm, let me say this today in this house because I don't want anybody to say, well, pastor called me ugly. There ain't no ugly people in the house of God. Let me, let me say this to you today for those that are struggling with self-worth and insecurity. God made you in His image. And when you want to change who you are, you're trying to tell the Lord, He didn't do a good enough job. My Lord doesn't make mistakes. After He creates you, He doesn't say, oops. Let me tell you today that each and every one of you women and men are beautifully and wonderfully created by the hand that created the stars, the moon, the universe, and set it in motion. Let me tell you today that you are all beautiful in the eyes of the Lord. If you believe that today, somebody say amen. And if we could take... If we could take anything away from this passage today in James chapter 1, hear me when I say this, it would be this. Hear and heed. Hear and heed. Because how many of us are guilty into coming to church, listening to what the preacher has to say, and then boom, done. We're, we're done. We're, we're gone. 
Because hear me, church. God is wanting you to not only listen to his word, but to also live by his word. I'm tired of coming to church and just getting the goosebumps and people not leaving godly. Hear me when I say this, that I don't want you just to be good. I don't want you just to be a moral person. We've got too many of those today now. I need some people to step up and say, good ain't good enough. I need to be godly in his sight. I don't want just the goosebumps. I don't want to just go by feelings because I want to be a follower of Jesus today. Because hear me when I say this. If it's his word, the longer that we look in the mirror, the less of us we should see, and we should start to see more of him inside of me. And so you actually begin to ask the question, why? Why is it that people can come into the house of God? Hear me when I say this. They can listen to the word. They can hear awesome praise and worship. And they leave not changed. They, they leave the same way that they came in, stagnant, dying. How is it? I, I've grown up in ministry. I've been in ministry all my life. I've grown up in a pastor's house. How many was here last week for Throwback Sunday? Wasn't that an awesome service? I was a youth pastor for six years. I, I've been blessed to be your pastor now for a year and a half. And in that year and a half, Jackie and I have seen people come and go. They've listened to messages. They're on fire one day. And the next day, they can't even return a text. So why is it? How is it that you can look in the mirror, hear the word, and leave not changed? I've come to this conclusion. The problem is not the mirror. The problem is the vision. I'm about to preach, y'all. Because when you begin to have a distorted view, you begin to live a contradicting lifestyle. The definition of mirror is this, something that gives a faithful representation. How many in the house know this today, that the mirror don't lie? That the mirror can make you a little bit uncomfortable at times because it shows you sometimes what you don't want to see, but it always shows you the truth. It gives a faithful representation. And that's actually true in today's culture because today's culture is so visual. Am I preaching today? I was a youth pastor. By the way, let me give this plug. We are that close from hiring a man of God from Minnesota to be our youth pastor. We've gone to the next step, the last step. Hopefully we can make an announcement within the next week or two. Just begin to pray. Uh, there's some loose strings that need to be tied up, but I believe that this is God's man. He believes that this is the place that God is calling him, and we believe that God is about to do something in the youth and the young adults in this area, from the junior high to the college students. I believe that revival, I believe it's coming to this area. This generation it is so visual. Now, let me say this. I have a brand new addiction. Some of y'all like, Pastor, break it in Jesus' name. No, it's a good addiction. A brand new social media app called Periscope. Periscope, hear me, is a live streaming app 
that allows you to literally go live with what you're recording no matter where you're at and no matter what you are doing. And that's awesome to me because I've always wanted my own TV show. I've always wanted like a daytime Eric Danner show, you know, live with Eric. But right before you broadcast the app, right before you go live, the app will ask you this, what are you seeing now? What are you seeing now? And I find that interesting because you can only record what you want people to see. And how many know this, that what you see isn't always reflective of reality? And that's one of the problems with this generation because we have too many people living contrary to reality. And the opposite of reality is fantasy. Church, let me tell you something. You live in a fantasy world if you believe that selling baby body parts is okay. Yeah, I'm coming against Planned Parenthood right now. You live in a fantasy world if you believe that a homosexual lifestyle lines up with the Word of God. Oh, really? Go read Romans chapter 1 where literally Paul, the apostle sent by God that had divine revelation sent to him to write the church in Rome and declare that homosexuality is wrong. Are you just telling me that you want to take that verse out of Scripture? Because if so, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 22 verse 19 that anybody takes away from the word of this book, God shall take their name out of the Lamb's book of life. So are you really wanting to go there, America? You live in a fantasy world if you believe that you can be a hearer and not a doer because it's time for the church to snap out of the fantasy land and back into reality. I'm talking to some people today that says, I've got to look at myself in the mirror. I'm about to preach. Say, Pastor, what can I do? What can I do? How can I live right? What should I watch out for? Now, I want to go somewhere, church. I actually want to preach a little bit of a prophetic end-time word from this moment out. Is that okay? Because if you actually read in the end times chapter of Matthew, let me tell you something. Jesus is coming back very soon. When America begins to turn their back on Israel and toward Iran, watch out, look up, because redemption draws nigh. Jesus is coming back soon, church. I'm tired of playing games. It's time to live right. The Bible says this in Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3. Now, let me just give you this. If you are a brand new Christian, don't go to Revelation right off the bat. It's going to mess you up, all right? Go to the book of John. John is the beloved disciple. He portrays Jesus as a very loving Savior. Go there. And once you read that, come and talk to me, and I'll tell you some other cool books. Don't go to Revelation, all right? But the word revelation, if you actually begin to, to break it down, it means to be revealed. That's what I love about Calvary. Because every time we come together, I believe that God is revealing some things in his word. And we go deeper every Sunday. Amen? I, I, I'm telling you today that I want to go deeper and deeper and deeper into the things of God. John, the revelator. 
had some things revealed to him by Jesus. And in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, he writes to what is commonly referred to as the seven churches of Asia Minor. These are letters written by John, but they were revealed by Jesus. And this is significant because these are seven actually different church ages. If you look at the panoramic view from Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3, these are different time periods. Actually, today, we are living in the church of Laodicea. Now, Laodicea, I'm not going to mention in my sermon beyond this. Laodicea is the church that's fat, increased with goods, and in need of nothing. Tell me that that is not a picture of the American church today. Let me tell you something. I'm so thankful that you got money in your bank account. I'm so thankful that you've got some brand new clothes on your back. But don't you ever get to a point in your life that you don't need Jesus any longer. Let me tell you, Jesus is my greatest need. And if you get to a point in your life that says, I no longer am going to keep him number one. I'm no longer going to have him on the throne. God is going to let you fall sometimes. He's going to allow you to stumble just so that you can realize that he is the one that can pick you up. Oh, my goodness. Laodicea, we're living in the age of Laodicea. Laodicea began in 1905 until when Jesus comes back for his church. But if you begin to bring it down just a little bit from the panoramic view to the practical view, of the seven churches, only one church received a good report from Jesus. That was the church of Philadelphia. That was the church of brotherly love. Love is the greatest. I'm so thankful for agape love. I'm so thankful for a love of a father. I'm so thankful today that God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son named Jesus Christ so that you and I could have eternal life. And the church of Philadelphia was the church of brotherly love. And if you're a mathematician, if only one church received a good report amongst the seven, that that meant that six of those received warnings from Jesus. Now, the first church that was mentioned in Revelation chapter 2, written by John, was the church in Ephesus. Ephesus is commonly referred to as a loveless church. Look at what the Bible has to say about this church as we look into the mirror. Revelation chapter 2 verses 2 through 4. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them to be liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. As we dive right into this story of Ephesus, I want you to notice with me that at first it seems like the church is doing pretty good. They have sound doctrine. They have labored and they've worked for Jesus and they haven't grown tired of doing good things. Hey, that's a pretty good report. And then Jesus drops the bombshell on them. I have this against you. Let me tell you something. One of the most dangerous places that you could ever be in your walk with the King of Kings is when he tells you, I have something against you. I want to live above that. 
I want to live holy. I want to live set apart. I want to live sanctified. I want to live a cut above. I never want to get to a point in my life where Jesus says, hey, I got something against you. But Jesus drops a bombshell and he says this, you have actually left your first love. Jesus is saying you're doing all these great things in my name, but you don't even know me anymore. What a dangerous place that is. The word left is the word ephemi in the Greek, which means this, willful abandonment. So the word actually means this, I have this against you, that you have willfully abandoned my name. Let me tell you something, church. We're never going to get there in New Smyrna Beach because I believe that we serve the name that is above all names. His name is the greatest name in heaven and from the kings of the earth. But the church in Ephesus, they willfully abandoned the name of Jesus. What a scary place to be in when you can do church without the king. But pastor, they served as deacons. They served as nursery workers. They joined the band. They were doing outreach. But I wonder if that's why Matthew wrote in Matthew 7 on Judgment Day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. And we performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from ye, you who break God's laws. Lord, let us never get to a place when I can give you my works, but I don't give you me. Because you need to take a look in the mirror when we can give him our service, but we can't give him ourself. Isn't it something that in this context, the word Ephesus in the Greek means this, to relax or to let go. I never want to relax my relationship with Jesus. I never want to let go from Jesus. I got to cling to Jesus every day of my life. As soon as I wake up in the morning, it's Jesus. In the afternoon, it's got to be Jesus. When I lay my head down at night, it's all about Jesus. I can never relax my relationship with the Lord. I got to have him more today than I did yesterday. And I got to have him more tomorrow than I did today. Am I talking to anybody out there that says, I got to have Jesus? And as you're sitting there right now, I want you to ask yourself, am I as passionate for Jesus as I once was? Have you lost your first love today? Am I doing all this for me, or am I doing this for him? And if the answer is yes, or I don't know, it's time to take a look in the mirror. The second church, very quickly, that I want to get to today, because we're going to get to the altars. I want you to take a look today at the third church of the seven, and that is the church in Pergamos. Pergamos is commonly known as the church of compromise. The Bible says this in Revelation chapter 2, verse 13, I know that you live in the city where Satan has his throne, yet you have remained loyal to me. You refuse to deny me even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred among you there in Satan's city. But I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam, who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. 
He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. In a similar way, you have done what the Nicolaitans among you who followed the same teaching. Now, when you be in this, just such a great revival word. When you begin to break down this passage of Scripture, again, notice with me for just a moment that Jesus starts off with the good things, that they were so dedicated to the Lord that some of them were even martyred for the cause of Jesus Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted. When the enemy comes in like a flood, raise up a standard against him. They're loyal to Jesus. But then Jesus began to even complain about them. The Bible says that they followed the teaching of Balaam. Now, Balaam in Numbers chapter 22 and Numbers chapter 25, Balaam was a prophet. And the Bible says that he was a fake prophet. He actually convinced Balak, who was the king of the Moabites, to send his women to go across enemy lines and to actually sleep with the men of Israel. They were committing perverse acts and they began to creep its way into the church at Pergamos. Church, let me tell you something. Hear me when I say this. Jesus ain't Lord if you're in love with lust. And it's not just sexual acts that Christ is warning about right here. Let me tell you something. I will never prostitute my principles. My morals are not for sale. My integrity, it does not come with a price. I can't jeopardize my relationship with Jesus. I've come too far. I've been forgiven too much. I can tell you today, I can testify that Jesus has been good. I've been forgiven too much. I can't turn my back on him now. I look forward and I look up for what God is about to do in my life. You know, we used to sing a song in kids' church, Oh, Be Careful. How do know what I'm talking about? Oh, be careful, little eyes. What you see, it actually goes on. Oh, be careful, little ears. What you hear, oh, be careful, little hands. What you touch, oh, be careful, little feet. Where you go, oh, be careful, little mouth. What you say. Let me tell you something, church. We need to get back to that theology. Because let me tell you something, Jesus is coming back for a church who lives holy. The Bible says in Ephesians that he's coming back for a glorious church without a spot or a wrinkle or a blemish. Somebody give God a shout of praise if you're looking for that day. I want to live holy. I want to live set apart. I want to live a cut above. What the world has to offer me is nowhere near as good as what Jesus can do for me. Very quickly, I'm moving, I'm skipping over some things today because I feel a, a drawing in my spirit to get to the altars. The third and final church that I'm prompted to speak about for just a moment today. The third and last church I want to speak about is the church in Sardis. Sardis is also commonly known as the dead church. The book of Revelation chapter 3, it says this, I know all the things you do and you have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. Wake up, strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. 
I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief in the night. Jesus draws attention to the church of Sardis, the dead church. And I want you to notice with me that at first, this church is a church with a good reputation. Everyone knows of this church. They give to missions. They take missions trips. They have excellent services. They have great preaching and talented music. Their website is second to none. Everyone goes to them for advice for their church programs. They hold conventions and seminars. They have a great reputation, but the Bible says that Jesus isn't fooled. Jesus isn't fooled. 1 Samuel 16, after the Lord has turned away from Saul, he's looking for another man to be king to lead his people. And he sends a prophet by the name of Samuel to the house of Jesse. And Jesse lines up all of his sons. And the Bible says this in verse 6 of 1 Samuel 16. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way that you see him. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I want to tell you today that don't judge me by my outward appearance because how many know we've gotten pretty good to play church sometimes? We know how to lift our hands just at the right moment, don't we? We know that we can sing just to have everybody fooled. Let me tell you something. When I sing, when I worship, and when I praise, when I live my life, it's not to impress anyone in the sanctuary today because I worship to an audience of one. I want Jesus not to look at me on the outside, but to see me for who I am because there are too many Eliabs in the church now and not enough Davids. We have too many who look the part. The word dead here in Revelation is the word necros. It means destitute of power or force. How sorry is that? That in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus is saying to the church at Sardis, you are spiritually dead because you are destitute of power. What a horrible thing it is when a Pentecostal church has Pentecostal forms without Pentecostal power. The Bible says this in 2 Timothy 3, that they will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. I'm here to tell you today, I don't want to act religious. I don't want to have a form of godliness. I want all that my God has in store for me. I'm not here to impress anybody by acting something out. I want to live what's inside of me. I want that to get out of me. Oh. I wonder if that's you in this house today. I wonder if as we look in the mirror, you say, Pastor, I feel a little bit dead. I feel a little bit destitute of power. I feel like I have nothing. I feel like I'm lacking in that area. I want you not to worry because my God still specializes in turning death into resurrection. And here's what you do. 
Because I wonder if there's anybody in the house today that says, Pastor, I've left my first love. I can honestly say today that I'm not as passionate for Jesus as I once was. I wonder if there's anybody out there today that's been compromising the Word of God. I wonder if there's anybody out there today that feels just a little bit dead on the inside. The Bible says this in Revelation chapter 1 as I'm beginning to close. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. Remember where you have fallen. Repent and then do the first works. Three things. You're dead. You're compromising, and you've left your first love. Look in the mirror today. Remember who God is. Remember what he can do in your life. I'm talking about Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the one that defeated Satan on the cross. I'm talking about the one that three days later, the same power of the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in the New Testament church today. I'm talking about J-E-S-U-S. I'm talking about the Messiah. We talked about him just a moment ago. Wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father. I'm talking about the name that is above all names. Remember who he is in your life. Am I talking to anybody? today that's in love with Jesus the second thing that the Bible says that you must do is you got to repent repent when you begin to break down that word it simply means this to turn to turn maybe you're walking the road of compromise maybe you're walking the road of being destitute of power Maybe you're walking down the road of just playing church because you're not near as passionate as you once was. Once you remember who he is, repent, turn, and begin to walk down a righteous road. Because the road that I've been commanded to follow and walk on is a narrow road. You know why it's narrow? Because I can only walk on, on, on something that's not wide. Because if it's wide, it gives me a chance to walk here and there. But if I walk a narrow road, I can keep my eyes on the following prize. Oh my I can keep my eyes on the end. I've been commanded to walk a narrow road. I'm talking to some people in here today. Remember who he is. Repent. And then the Bible says, go and do first works. Because faith without works is dead. We got too many people in here that has the faith to move mountains, but you have not moved any mountains. We got too many people in here that's got some power to raise people from the dead. But you're too afraid to lay hands on anybody. We got too many people in here. I know some of your testimonies. Some of your testimonies in here are second to none about what God has done for you. But you're too afraid to tell anybody of what Jesus Christ has done inside of you. Go and do first works, the Great Commission. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something, church. You don't have to have a title in front of your name to go and do something for Jesus. You don't have to have a sign-up sheet out in the foyer to get involved in the church. You don't have to wait on a text or a call to do something significant for the Savior. Am I talking to anybody today that says, Pastor, I've got just a little bit of power inside of me. The Holy Spirit has done too many good things in my life for me to keep shut up. I I've got to open up my mouth. I've got to begin to tell everybody about what he has done for me. Oh. 
remember, repent, and then go do. Every head bowed, every eye closed today. I, I, I had some more, but I feel prompted by the Spirit to close right there. Ben, I want you to come and please come quickly. With nobody looking around today, I wonder if there's anybody in the house today. They would just be honest as you begin to look in the mirror that is the Word of God. As you begin today to look inside of you with no one moving around today, I wonder if there's anybody in the house that says, Pastor, I've compromised the word. I began to compromise my morals with no one moving around today. I feel spiritually dead inside of me. I need to be awakened to back my first love. With no one looking around, that's me. That's me. I need the Lord to revive me in this house today. Maybe you say, Pastor, I've, I've got sin in my life. There's, there's some things inside of me today that I know the Lord would not be pleased with. And I got to get it out. I got to repent. I got to turn away. I got to walk a narrow road. Or in this day forward, I got to be a follower of Jesus. I don't want the goosebumps anymore. I got to live godly. If that's you in this house, say, Pastor, that, that's me on one of those calls. With no one looking around, just begin to raise your hands all over the sanctuary. Wow, yeah. Hallelujah. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Good night. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Keep your hands up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count to three at the end of three. We've got to move on. You ready? One. I haven't raised my hand yet. Two. That's me. That's me. There's sin in my life. I'm destitute of power. I feel dead inside. I'm not as passionate for Jesus as I once was. I need to get a little bit of fire back inside of me. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Three. I want everybody in the sanctuary today to simply repeat this prayer after me. I want my leaders, my staff, deacons, I want everybody just to pray this out. You ready? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on my cross so that today I have a chance to live. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of anything in my life that has separated me from the love of the Father. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And from this day forward, I will live for you. In Jesus' name. Somebody give God a shout of praise in this house. Some people have just come home. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, God. I'm excited about people that get their lives right with Jesus. That excites me. That makes me happy. In our new sanctuary, we're going to have a room right off of the stage. And that's going to be a prayer room. It's going to be a follow-up room. That's going to be a room for some of our leaders in the church to go and pray with people that just got their hearts right with Jesus and provide some counseling. Unfortunately, in this building, we don't have that yet. So for 30 seconds, listen to me. If you don't have a Bible, get a Bible. Go read the Word. But remember what James 1 says this. Don't just read it. Don't just be a hearer. Be a doer. If you need anything in your life, you need help in any area of your life, we have leaders and counselors ready to speak with you and talk with you. Connect with us this week, somehow, some way. We'd love to talk to you. It's the greatest decision that you've just made in your life. It's to get right with Jesus. I applaud it.
thank you so much. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. I feel like going somewhere in the altars right now, but before we do that, before we ever invoke the Spirit, we invite the Spirit. So would you stand up on your feet right now? And I want every hand in the sanctuary raised towards heaven, and I want you to begin to sing this out. Come on, invite the presence of the Spirit of God in this house. We invite you, Lord. With no one moving around. No one moving around. So we pour out our praise, pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. It's your Come on, sing it out. Come on, sing this. In our lungs. Invite the presence so of the King. So we pour out our praise, pour out our praise. It's your breath in my lungs. Sacred. 
just a moment, I want you, Pastor Andrew, to sing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. That's my jam. Before we sing that song, I'm talking to some people in this house that say, Pastor, I need a miracle in my life. I need a sign. I need a wonder. You know what a wonder is? Here's what a wonder is. I wonder how God did that. I need a sign. I need a wonder. I need a move of God in my life. I don't know what the need is in the house today, but let me declare to you that my greatest need is Jesus. And so today, in just a moment, I'm going to pray. When I say amen, that's not a dismissal prayer. But when I say amen, I want you to get out of your pew. If that's you, I want you to line up this front uh, middle aisle. And we're going to lay our hands on you. And we're going to believe God with you. That what you need, God is going to meet. How many believe today that God still does miracles? So in just a moment, here's the plan. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing my jam. And as soon as I say amen, if that's you, I want you to get out of your pew. And I want you to begin to line up this middle aisle. And we're going to be in the gap with you today. In the trenches right there. Heavenly Father, come on church, pray with me. If you have the gift of tongues, begin to use it right now. We invite your presence in this house today. Jesus, we call on your name. And we declare to you today that we need your help. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and of earth. And today, Lord, for everybody in just a moment that's going to get out of their pew and begin to line up this middle aisle, I pray that they would be overcome with your presence. Holy Spirit, I pray today do a miracle in their finances. Lord, do a miracle in relationships. God, I pray that you would do a miracle in our bodies. Lord, whatever the need may be, I pray today let not one person Leave here the same way that they've walked in. Do a mighty work, mighty God. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, you're welcome. You, Holy if that's Spirit, you, come and line up this middle aisle right now. We're going to pray Spirit, for you. Spirit, you are welcome. Come flood this place. Presence. Your presence. Come on, let's sing it 
How many would say today, Pastor, I believe today that my need has been met, that I've received a miracle on the other side of this service today. If that's you, I want you to raise both hands towards heaven today. I want to pray blessings upon you this week. I'm going to pray right now that in everything that you do, that the favor of Almighty God will find you and follow you. I just believe today, God, that an open window is about to happen <laughs> in this church, Lord. That, God, we're going to have direct access to the throne room of Jesus. Lord, I pray blessings upon the people of God that make up this great church. Lord, I pray that you would put us in the footsteps of some people today that need a touch from you. God, help us to share what you have done in our lives with this community this week. Use us as we declare, here am I, send me. And Lord, we declare to you that today we're not just going to be hearers. <laughs> as we look in your word, we're going to be doers. I don't want to just listen. And as I look in the mirror, I want to do. I remember, I repent, and I'll get back to my first works today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Church, remember today, before I dismiss you, we got something going on tonight. but I can say myself, I thank God because I've been praying on my son. But God is telling me that there's many children out there, many children. And we as Christians, we've been sitting back talking, but we haven't been doing. And God said, now it's time for us to come out from the building and do what we got to do. This was a special message that God gave Pastor Eric today. Oh yeah, But he said we're to do. We're to do because the time has come. We're losing our children. We're losing a whole generation. The devil is on his job. But we are setting back. He said, do. Do. Go out and do. In the name of Jesus. How many received that word today? Say, Pastor, Pastor, what just happened? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that there are nine gifts to the church. I believe that what we have just seen right there is a word of knowledge to a parent out there that is worried about their child. That lines up in my spirit right now as Diva began to say that. I, I don't know who that is. But hear what the Lord says, that the Lord has put a shield around them. The devil can't have our children. The devil can't take our heritage. Be on guard. Amen. The Bible says that we are to be aware of the devil's schemes. And today, realize that we're in a fight. We're in warfare. But we're going to come out victorious. Come on. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Before I dismiss your church, let me remind you, we got Calvary Connect at our house tonight. 
for all those in the church under the age of 40 years old. We're going to have fun. Young adults, teenagers, married couples, be there tonight. We're going to grill. It's going to be fun. So many great things coming up in the church. Be on guard this week. Every day, take a look in the mirror. I love you so much. I love being your pastor. You were dismissed. Hug five necks before you go. Tell them that you love them, and you'll see them next Sunday. God bless you. You are dismissed. must fear your glory. God is what our hearts long to be overcome by your presence. Holy, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Go from this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what I